looking beard There's nothing like a man with a good looking beard Hello and welcome to another iteration of Behind the Beard WNC. My name's Patrick Pohl. I'm joined as always by Lewis and Mike Anderson. And this is a podcast where basically three friends get together and we talk about a lot of subjects that kind of interest us. A lot of times it's high school sports because we all have kids at the various schools around uh, the Asheville area. So that's often a common topic but anything's on the table we've talked college sports we've talked racing a little bit i think mike brought that up a couple times right before you deleted it yeah that's true i did delete it because we had an issue i'm sorry mike we can revisit that for you but anyway the idea of this is for our entertainment you'll hear us make banter and make fun of each other all the time and then occasionally we'll have some guests and bring those folks in the goal is our entertainment we hope you're entertained along with us and um yeah, well, it's been, what, a couple of weeks since we got together, hadn't it been, gentlemen? Indeed. Agony. Agony is right. Agony for you, Mike. So last time, before, since we were last together, Lewis, what did you get into? What have you been up to? Uh, just umpiring every night. I uh, spent this weekend down in Morganton in the U-Triple-S-A tournament. Uh, it, it, you know, just working. Yeah, you were sharing how uh, much umpiring you're doing and how that all worked. That was pretty fascinating the other night. Yeah, it's a, it's a lucrative business to get into. Yeah, it's caused him to lose all his hair. Yeah, absolutely. It and just you, fell out. And nobody, you didn't have to wrestle any coaches or parents to the uh, to I, the ground. I, or I anything? did have to send one parent or one coach to the parking lot this weekend. Did you really? Uh, but after that, everything was good. Wow, that's I, awesome. I've only ever had to send one coach to the parking lot, and I was with Lewis. That is true. Wow. Yeah. What did you do this weekend, Mike? So no racing this weekend. Uh, my son actually went to the. Uh, the camp at NC State this week, so we spent Saturday in Raleigh. Got home pretty late or pretty early Sunday morning, um, but it was good. It was good. Uh, did, you, did you eat anywhere good down there? We went to this place across from uh, Carter Finley. Really good place. It's like a sports bar. Had all the TVs and all the stuff. It wasn't real busy because there's nothing going on at the uh, PNC Arena. So, but it was good food. They had these barbecue egg rolls with collard greens and. I mean, they were, I couldn't eat but just a bite, just a tiny bite. Right. But everybody everybody else said they were good. Well, the Pohl clan uh, started the next chapter in the football recruiting journey. We uh, who, are you, who are you trying to get to come to Reynolds? <laughs> not that recruiting journey. Oh, oh go ahead. Sorry. Now, uh, Brendan's uh, shift, and not just him, but I guess all the 24s have shifted kind of away from the visits at the high school, because obviously the high school is coming to a close for the semester. And they're moving into the camp season. So we went to the Western Carolina University football camp last night. And we unfortunately had two lightning delays. So we didn't get out of there until after 11 p.m. last night. But it was a pretty neat experience. I mean, great facilities, great coaches. And they went through the stuff and got to kind of watch how that all works. So are you guys going to make a T-shirt this year? I'm a 24 parent or something like that? I don't know. Should Is that what we do? Is I mean, that, maybe. That what we're I mean, supposed you, to you guys have been referring to the 24s all, all offseason. The 24s. It sounds like some wheels you put on your car. I yeah. mean, I probably picked that term up from the people that are more experienced than I am at this. It's not like I have any We know experience. that you didn't come up with that. Trust us. Yes. Okay. Good. We know Pat has a D1 student already that he never mentions. That's true. My right. daughter, right. Charlie Pohl, is a D1 oh, hold student. On a you have a daughter? I do. Oh, you wow. never mentioned her. Yeah. That's weird. She's at the University of Kentucky, yeah, well, and she's an amazing kiddo and student. 
We, we see who your favorite is now. Definitely. Hagony. <laughs> now you really cultivated a firestorm. <laughs> You're welcome. Mike, Anytime. you got a guest today. Show, share who we got today. I do. So we got to thank uh, Coach Walker and Coach Laws for coming on our last two episodes today. We're fortunate enough to have a 2007 Reynolds grad, 2019 Coach of the Year in the Southwest Two-Way Conference, and current Asheville High football coach, Court Radford. Coach, welcome. I appreciate you guys having me on. We're we're glad you let us come in your office here. Uh, Pat, as you guys will be surprised, was late. Yes, I can't see right now because I've had eye procedures and I uh, bulleted through the uh, traffic of Asheville with sunglasses on and navigated the perils to get to Asheville High School. Probably not the best thing to admit on air. Probably not, but it was an experience and I'm I'm glad to be here. (laughs) So Coach Rayford, tell, tell us a little about yourself. How'd you get to Asheville High? Where'd you come from? What you got going on? I mean, so I got to Asheville High uh, about a week before COVID started. You know, so so very prime time to take over a job. <laughs> um, before there, uh, I was at Chase High School uh, in Rutherford County. Uh, got very lucky there with a really good group of kids, had great staff, and we had a lot of success there in two years. And it's success that they've continued to have. Um, and, and my group that I uh, one of my eighth grade groups that I brought in, you know, as as freshmen, they're they're graduating now, so it's pretty neat to see where they're all going, and and we still keep in contact, and uh, you know, with coaches down there, kids down there, uh, that was a great experience for me and my family. Uh, before then, I was defense coordinator at Crest, um, you know, down in Shelby, and uh, so this whole time we were always living up here. Uh, so when the actual job came open, you know, my my wife said, you know, you, you gotta you gotta come up here, you know, versus so me you're driving. commuting to Chase. I was commuting to Chase. We lived in Hendersonville, so it was about a forty five minute drive. Now, um, before I was at Crest, I was at Irwin, and we actually bought a house, and you know, we since sold it, but um, bought a house out in Leicester. Uh, so when I took the Crest job, uh, I we were I was commuting from Leicester uh, to Ooh. Crest. It was about an hour and a half one way, um, but I thought it was important to you know, uh, what I want to do in my career, and thankfully I got a very good wife uh, who understood that as well. Because we also had a newborn uh, girl at that time, uh, so that was uh, I'd get home about time for her one of her midnight wake ups. You know, it was that was a tough time, uh, just a lot of driving, uh, but but I've learned a lot throughout that whole journey. Uh, I think it's you know helped me bring me to to where I'm at now. So Crest is a is a pretty good football power. What was it like coaching there versus some of these other schools you've been at? Uh, well, when I got there, they they were thirty two and zero. They had won back to back state championships sixteen and zero, sixteen and zero, and then I come in as the defense coordinator and we lose the first game to South Point. Uh, so as you can imagine, uh, people were not very happy with me off the jump. <laughs> uh, but it was a great experience down there. The the Cleveland County football is is a little different. They, they uh, if you're an able-bodied male down there in Cleveland County growing up, you're expected to play football. You just are. You know, so you have huge numbers out there, you know, in your program. Uh, they have two different football weight training classes um, just because of, of numbers. You know, so uh, football, obviously, a very big deal down there. You know, Friday nights, even Thursday nights. Uh, the Crest-Shelby rivalry, very fun to be a part of. Uh, but like I said, it was, it was, it was a good experience and uh, learned a lot from uh, – Coach Barnes, uh, who was there before I got there, but he's the one that kind of had installed that defense um, that, that we, you know, brought up here to Asheville. Now our defense coordinator, Cody Cheek, you know, has morphed and turned into his own thing. Um, but it all kind of goes back to Mark Barnes and what he had done at Crest. That's that's interesting. So tell us, tell, we're sitting in your new office here. We looked at your new weight room. 
Tell us what, what what's kind of going on here at Asheville High. Uh, we're trying to make progress, just like everybody else. Um, you know, I, I think we have a very special school system. I really do. Um, and, you know, we're landlocked. We're right here in the middle of the city. It's beautiful, man. When you pull up on this campus, there's not many campuses you pull up on and, and it looks like this. You know, every uh, college coach that comes by and people that come visit the school, they pull in like, it looks like a movie high school. You know, it's like the schools that you see and you're like, that's not a real high school. Um, but it, but it's beautiful. You know, and, but we have one football field or one field, soccer field, field hockey field, you know, on campus. And then we got one baseball field. And, you know, so we have to be very creative in, in how we use our time. Uh, you know, because we got a lot of different sports. Um, we got a lot of different people needing to use those facilities. So, um, you know, can't say enough about how important this new weight room is for us and our programs, not just for football, but for all of athletics. I mean, it's, it's you know, we had went from a space where we had six racks um, to a bunch of brand new equipment and having 10 racks, you know, and, we, and we've already seen the benefits of that. That It's it's beautiful here. It, you're right. This whole school is, is a beautiful high school, and this new section, very nice. It is gorgeous. I, I don't know if I shared this earlier, but my daughter Charlie graduated from Silsa, which is the charter school in the basement here. Uh, and every time we came over here, and she was part of the dance team for Asheville. Uh, I mean, just uh, you're right. It, it, it is like out of a movie. It's almost almost looks like a, I mean, an old college campus. It's gorgeous. Oh, that's what everyone asks. Like, is this a, a small college? Like, you know, yeah, and that's why it's interesting when we play some non-conference opponents from off the mountain and they have to come up here, you know, because they're, they're a little awestruck when you get up here because it's not your typical high school. You know, and you go into the stadium and it's a huge stadium. It is. Uh, and so, you know, you hope that that can kind of help you a little bit, at least in the first quarter. And <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's a very special place to be. So tell us, you mentioned Coach Cheek. Tell us a little bit about your staff, who you got coaching with you. So on the defensive side, we got, you know, Coach Cheek is our defense coordinator, and, you know, me and Coach Cheek go back to our Irwin days, and, you know, we talked about baseball a bit earlier. He actually helped me coach uh, Asheville Legion post-70, and then, uh, you know, we stayed in contact when I went off the mountain for a while, and he stayed up here, and then when I got the Asheville job, you know, he, he was the first person I called, you know, and said, I, you know, I need you to come with me, uh, you know, and thankfully we were able to make that work out, and he's been here with me for three years, and uh, our defense has been very successful over the last three years, and a big part of that is because of him and, uh, the defensive coaches that he works with, we got uh, Jay Cardillo, who's been with us for, here with us for three years. Coaches DBs, he was with uh, uh, Chris Metzger uh, at Pinecrest before then. Um, you know, and uh, on the offense side of the ball, Daryl Clark came over here last year. Coached our quarterbacks, calls the offense. I knew him back from Irwin. You know, and I'm I'm a run it guy, and uh, I think we have a very talented uh, young group of uh, skilled players, uh, and so we're going to try to throw it a little more so i needed to hire somebody who's a lot smarter than me that knew how to throw it besides you know just hand it off to the running back uh so daryl clark came over he's coaching quarterbacks you got the legendary gene hammonds uh running back still who you know if you guys want to get in a fight with him you know be my guest but he <laughs> he's uh yeah, i don't know he's, he's been around for a while but he he goes out there every day doing running back drills and he's He's got it, man. He's 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 such a pleasure to be around. Honestly, he helps keep everything in perspective. He, and when you need a good laugh, he'll give you one. He's he's great. Um, Chavis Williams is very interesting. It was it's actually the first time I was able to hire a, a kid that I coached. And I guess he's not a kid anymore. He's a grown man, you know. But uh, able to hire a kid that I coached, and um, yeah, he was a great player. Uh, he was a great kid. You know, he graduated from Tusculum and played out in Tusculum graduating you know i told him i need a wide receiver coach you know i've been with slade singleton for a while 
uh, he helped me down at Chase kind of get this thing started. Uh, you know, and he lives up here, so he, he's with us too. And then, you know, Bill Silver and, and Craig Lovin on the offensive line, you know, Justin Blizzy at tight end. Uh, I got coaches everywhere. Landon Brown, who some of you guys saw, you know, he was assistant linebackers coach uh, at uh, uh, Western Carolina last year. And we, we actually just lost our linebackers coach, the first guy, uh, you know, yeah, that we've lost. Well, I guess technically second guy that we've lost since we've been here. But uh, he's going to Houston. Uh, Houston, Texas. He's going to be a defense coordinator out there. Uh, and and honestly, when he talked to me about it, I wanted him to talk to talk to him, talk him out of it. I, you know, but there was no way I could without being selfish because it's an unbelievable opportunity for him. Uh, you know, he's young. He's very very smart. You know, he he's been unbelievable for us, and I know he's going to go out there and do really really well. It's a big life change for him. You know, uh, he's been very good for our kids. Uh, you know, but you know he's going to go out there and do a good job. It'd be interesting to talk to him after a year and see the the big differences between Texas football and North Carolina football. Yeah, you know, Texas football is a little different. Right. Yeah, Texas football is a little different. So, yeah, I, I'm interested in it. You know, he, he talked – he joked. You know, I think he was joking. He may have been serious about trying to get a home and home. You know, I said, if you fly us down there, we'll go. You know, but. <laughs> That's some travel right there. <laughs> so, when you got here, Coach, they uh, – Asheville, 2019 was 4-7, and seven, overall 3-5 and five in the conference. You took over. Five and three and four and two that first year, first round of playoffs. You scared the crap out of Reynolds, losing 13-12. The second year, you beat Reynolds 5-3. Is that the right score? 5-3? 6-5. 6-5. Uh, went 9-3, and 6-0 and oh in the conference. You broke Reynolds' long winning streak in the conference. So how'd you do that so quickly? I have really good players. <laughs> That's one thing Bucky Tarr taught me when I was at Irwin. You know, I don't know if you guys know who Bucky Tarr is or not, but he's a legendary coach in this area. And one thing he told me early on is you'll find out you're a much better coach when you have much better players. Uh, and, you know, Asheville always has a long history of having really good kids. Now, that first year was difficult. You know, we had COVID and everything that accompanied it. Sure. And, um, but we had a really good group of seniors. And the one thing it allowed us to do, because a lot of times when you come in you take a job, you know, sometimes you get, you know, late in the spring, you get summer with them, and then you get the season, then they're gone. You know, after the season, then it's, it's on to the next group. And so you don't really get a great chance to know those seniors. Uh, the one thing that COVID did allow us to do is we didn't play until the spring, so uh, it allowed us to, you know, build a little bit better relationships with those seniors. You know, we had some really good ones with, you know, Tom and McDonough, who's playing up at Yale. Uh, Vasily Polk, who came by the other day, uh, he, he joined the military. Uh, you know, we went and played at UVOIs for a little bit and joined the military. Um, and we just had Liam Boyd, you know, who before COVID started, actually, I think it was right when COVID started, he said, Coach, I think I kind of want to kick. Do you mind, do you mind if I borrow a few footballs and, and kick while they send us home? Because we didn't know how long we were going to be home for. Uh, I was like, sure. I mean, I've never had a really good <laughs> kicker. I, yeah, if you want to go kick some balls, it's fine. And then he came back in the spring. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, you're really good at this thing. And, <laughs> you know, and he was at Clemson, and, and now he, he entered the transfer portal, and he's going to be kicking at Carolina next year. And, he, and he, he's going to kick on Sundays. He's he's special. You know, you don't hear it a lot, but, you know, the ones that are different, you know, when it comes off their foot, it makes a different sound. Yeah. yeah. I think during pregame we seen him kick like a 65-yard field goal. Yeah. Yeah, he came back, and the good, cool thing about Liam, you know, we, well, when he was down at Clemson, not very far away, and he came back a lot. You know, I hope he still comes back a lot with being in Chapel Hill. You know, it's good for the kids to see him. He works with our kicker or something when he comes back, and then, you know, it's good for me and him to talk cause in the off season. So where do you feel comfortable from? If I say go out on the field right now, you know, kick a field goal, where do you feel comfortable from? He said 65. 
I said, no, Liam, like, not like how far can you kick it? Like, where do you feel comfortable from? Like, no, 65. I feel good. Yeah, and then you watch some of the videos and do some stuff, and you're like, yeah, I can see it now. And I think he had a 51-yarder in the spring game. That would have probably been good from 65. You know, so uh, the, kid, the kid's a special kid, but that whole time allowed us, you know, to get closer with that group. We were actually pinned, picked uh, to finish seventh in the conference that year. You know, and we come in, we lose a tough one to a very good Robertson team early uh, where I think we tied – the state record at the time in turnovers in a game. Uh, I think we had seven, seven turnovers. It's hard to win with seven turnovers. Yeah, it's, if you can find a way to win with seven turnovers, and then you really did something. Uh, <laughs> so we lose a close one there, you know. And then the Reynolds game was was a great football game. You know, they they do a great job over there, and they had won a lot of games in a row. Uh, and our kids were fired up for that one, uh, just like they always will be for Asheville Reynolds. It's, it's a different rivalry. It's, it's Crest Shelby, you know, it is. And so uh, we lost a tough one there. Um, and then had to play Weddington, you know, the Mountain Killers in the first round, and so uh, uh, that, that. But that was that was a good first year, and I think it led us into what we were able to achieve that second year with being able to win conference, win the first round home playoff game, and then um, you know Mallard Creek, you know who's Mallard Creek, Jeez. you know, and we lose thirteen uh, twelve on a punt return, you know, so um, and, and our quarterback gets knocked out, you know, while we're up twelve nothing, and so. Then you um, also lose a line a linebacker. I yeah, think. so Otis Walton Thatch, and we could spend the next six hours talking about Otis Walton Thatch. <laughs> um, he's one of my favorite kids I've ever had. He uh, he worked his tail off during that whole COVID time. You know, he was a junior linebacker. Uh, he worked as hard as any kid I've ever met. Uh, the first play against T.C. Robertson, he tears his ACL. Um, and so we're playing in the spring. We're about to play again in the fall. You know, and, and my thinking is ACL is nine months. You know, and, and so. Uh, I remember after that game, me and Coach Cheek stayed with him on the bus, and we had a, the real conversation with him as far as you need to be ready that your football career is over. You know, I mean, it's I mean, you're more than just a football player, you know, um, but you need to be willing to accept that, you know, because we're late February and we're going to play again in August. The kid has surgery, and he plays in a game five months post-surgery. Wow. Um, and then – you know, all-conference player for us, stud. You know, not a lot of kids like playing offensive line. I know your son's an offensive lineman, and I love coaching offensive line. They're the best humans on planet Earth, in my opinion, because uh, there's nothing about them. They don't have any success. We made up pancakes as a stat for them. They don't have no stats. <laughs> you know, it's all about helping other people succeed. Right. You know, so Otis, when he came back, we needed some help at left tackle. You know, and Otis jumped right in there, played left tackle and middle linebacker five months post-ACL surgery. And the doctor tells me, like, listen, he's testing off the charts. The only thing that he's not cleared for is time. You know, I can't clear a kid five months post-surgery. You know, but they were able to make that happen. And we were – I held my breath every time he went down early on. Uh, and then in the Mallard Creek game, you know, freak non-contact. He's getting after the quarterback, kind of twists the wrong way, tears the other ACL. Oh, tear, I didn't realize it was the other ACL. No, it's, he tore the other one. And so then – you know, try to have the same conversation with him of like, hey, Otis, go be a doctor. You know, you're a smart kid. You know, you're a heck of a football player. You know, and he's like, Coach, I'm not done yet. And so he ends up going and playing last year at Presbyterian. Presbyterian, I, you know, took a chance on a kid with two torn ACLs, you know, because of the kind of kid he is. And he played, you know, played for him. Uh, you know, and then, you know, some more injuries happened to him. I was like, hey, Otis, maybe God's saying, stop playing. <laughs> uh, you know, so he since transferred to UNC Charlotte. But, you know, uh, we talked uh, maybe a week ago on the phone for about 30, 45 minutes. And actually I have his little brother coming up here next year. So, uh, you know, he's 
I told you I could talk for six hours about it, so you guys got me on the <laughs> rant. But, uh, but it was a good kid for this program. And when the kid, we, we started a leadership class this offseason because um, one thing, it's not just me, it's all coaches, and it's across every sport. You know, they get frustrated with bad leadership, and and myself included. Um, but we never ask the kids to do anything on the football field that we don't teach them how to do. Um, but we ask them to be leaders, and we hope that they see examples, you know, of how to lead and then follow through with it. But this year we had a group of about, you know, 15, 18 kids that we selected, and they came in every Wednesday morning at, you know, six thirty, seven o'clock, and we read through a book together um, called The Hard Hat, you know, and went through leadership. And the guy that they used as an example of, you know, who can I be like is, is Otis, you know. And so, you know, that's this group's goal for when they graduate. And that's how you leave a legacy, you know, is that freshman looking at you saying, I, I want to be like, uh, you know, I want to be like Kaheem Plummer, you know, you know, I want to be like Zyreek Smith. I want to be like one of those guys. I, how can I be like that? You know, so I'm curious to see uh, hopefully the leadership, you know, council and, and class pays off we did that for about 12 weeks you know and it was a big commitment for those kids to get up and get here to school and and read a book you know and all the kids read books and you know <laughs> i can't sit here and say that i read a lot of books when i was 16 years old but um i think it was a good thing for us to do and you know, hopefully it'll, it'll pay off i think you'll definitely see the rewards of that that's pretty impressive a leadership class i'd be interested to see what kind of results you do see so what's it like being on the other side of the rivalry obviously you you were at Reynolds, you played at Reynolds. Now you're at Asheville. What's that like? It's um, <laughs> when I took the job, you know, and and I talked to. Did my, you get some grief when you took the job? Not, from not a friends? lot. Not not a, not a whole lot. No, I didn't. Um, you know, and, and and my family. You know, my dad was president of Bush Club. The the concession stand is named after my grandfather. You know, at Reynolds. Oh, he, yeah. he worked there. You know, Charles Radford. You know, he he worked there for for a very long time. Um, and that kind of goes to the kind of man he was as far as being a perfect example of servant leadership, honestly. Um, you know, but being on the other side of it, and I, I remember hearing my daughter, Anna, who's seven now, who was probably four, you know, three or four when I took the job, but, uh, she did the little, the, the Cougars chant and I was like, Oh man, I used to hate that. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, that's like fingernails on oh, the chalkboard. But now I'm like, yes, let's, let's, let's hear some more of that now. But so it's, so it's very interesting to be on both sides of it, you know, but, uh, but this is a great place. It's a very special place. It's, it's different than what probably a lot of people think it is, but it's, it's a very, very special place with a lot of great kids and a lot of great people. So your non-conference schedule this year, it's pretty tough. It's not easy. Not easy. So, uh, you got Tuscola. Who last year went ten and two? Providence Day, who went twelve and one. They probably have two of the top top ten kids in the state. Dobbins Bennett, a six A team out of Kingsport, who went eight and three, and Lake Norman, who went seven and four. So you really up in that non conference schedule. What, what's your thinking there? Well, the big thing we're trying to do in this program is take the next step. Uh, we feel like we've climbed out of the hole. Um, you know, there was a little, you know, period of mediocrity, you know, uh, and one thing that we've tried to fight for is trying to get our name back at the top, not be picked to, you know, finish seventh in conference, you know, and, and hopefully we've moved ourselves out of that hole. Um, but now it's how we get over the hump. How, how do we uh, – we've lost two heartbreaker uh, playoff games in a row. You know, we lose 13-12 to Mount Creek, and then we lose – uh, off a field goal that hits the upright and banks in against Mount Tabor last year. And you don't see a lot of field goals hit the upright and bank in. You know, when it hit the upright, it's like, oh, man, we won. And then it, it banked through there. So the big thing we've talked about this offseason is how, is how do we get over the hump? 
how do we take that next step to then make the deep playoff run, you know, you know, win a state championship, which is our goal um, as a team, as a community, that's our goal. Um, and so uh, one thing, you know, that we want to try to do here is we want to find out who we are early. Uh, we want to find out our strengths. We want to find out our weaknesses. You know, we want to learn about ourselves early. And I think we uh, will definitely know where we're at after the non-conference schedule. And, you know, Tuscola, they return a lot of people, and they got a brand-new coach that's got the best name you can probably have in Waynesville. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, so what's the conversation like last year? You're leading up to that last drive playoff time. They go down and win. Well, it, What's the conversation like after the game there? It's – it's so unique um, because you tell kids all the time they don't know the feeling until they experience it uh, because they only experience it once. Uh, me as a coach, I get to experience it every year, and I can try to tell them what it feels like and I can try to explain, you know, hey, this is why Tuesday practice week seven is important because of that feeling, you know. Um, and just there's there's nothing that you can do to – simulate what it's going to feel like until it happens you know and that's always a tough part um and you hope that the young kids can learn from it and you know say i don't want to feel that you know in reality everyone's going to feel that except for one you know team in foray this next year right um you know but it's just that's that was a tough one you know because i when you looked at their sideline they've ended up having two kids offered by florida state here in the last week you know they they had some dudes now, and they had their offensive line averaged 308. Uh, and we had a 170 pound defensive end. He wrestled 170, and I was like, "Oh God, we played with a 170 pound defensive end." Uh, and he was he was he was a nightmare to block. You know, he ruined practice for me day after day. We couldn't block him ever. Uh, and he had a great game. You know, and but to watch our kids compete against, you know, because that they were very talented. That Mount Taylor team's good. They're going to be really good again this year with those kids. You know, coming back. Um, but I thought we did enough to put ourselves in position to win, you know, and uh, thought our kids played hard. And it's one of those, you almost want a rule change. You know, they were out of timeouts. There's about 25 seconds left. They're on the 50. Um, we sacked the quarterback. Uh, and at that point, most of their receivers are about the 10, 15 yard line. And the clock's running. And the running back was hurt because our kid, Kaheem Plummer, who was a sophomore at the time, maybe a junior this year, ran through the running back's chest and sacked the quarterback. And the kid was legitimately hurt. It wasn't one of those, like, I'm just going to pretend to be hurt. No, the kid was hurt. But what it allowed him to do was a minute and a half break. Everyone got back to the line, got set. Caught their breath. Yeah. And they hit a little 15-yard out, you know, killed the clock, and they get a chance at, the, at a 46-yard field goal there at the end where if that kid doesn't get hurt, you know, I don't even know if they can get back to the line to, to run another play. And if they do, it's just a chunk it up type situation. But that's – that's football, and that's how stuff happens, you know, and uh, that's life, <laughs> you know. It ain't always going to go the way you want it to go, you know. So uh, it, it, that was a tough one. That was a tough pill to swallow, similar to the Mallard Creek situation. That was a tough one, losing the punt return when I thought we played well enough to win that game, you know. But that goes back to this non-conference question as far as why we're doing it, you know, to go ahead and play in that second-round, third-round game, you know, in week one, two, three, and four before we do it. So, so what do you think outlook for conferences this year? That was sort of my question too. You know, the MAC has not been, not been very good for a long time. Reynolds, Asheville have been good. The other teams seem to struggle. Does that hamstring you? Do you see the MAC being better? Because after those first four, there you may not have another good game until Reynolds. Another tough game, I should say, to a Reynolds. Well, um, 
you know, I, we opened up with Irwin. Uh, I know those guys over there. I worked over there for three years. Uh, I know they do a good job in preparation. I know they do. You know, I've been a part of it. They helped teach me how to do it. You know, um, T.C. Robertson is going to be very good. You know, I, we heard that in our last interview as well. They, yeah. they Coach Dinwiddie, you know, he probably did the right thing. He, he brought them all up as sophomores, and they took their lumps. You know, and they were not very good as sophomores. And then this past year as juniors, they got a whole heck of a lot better. And now they're all about to be seniors, you know. And so, yeah, I think you build it the right way with doing that. You know, you just got to keep your sophomores, you know, alive, you know. And and he did, you know. Now they're they're bigger, stronger, faster, and they're going to be playing, you know, their, their third year of varsity football. Um, you know, Reynolds is still Reynolds, just like Asheville, still Asheville. Um, I tell you, the team has, has given us some trouble, you know, game planning wise, and just throwing stuff at us that we just you know, out of nowhere, you know. I, completely different defense, different offense than, than you see at you know in the in the film is is Coach Sexton over at, at Inca. Um he does a good job, you know, and honestly we follow them in a lot of our conference games and, and we actually, you know, because coaches are all thieves, you know, we, we still what we like. And <laughs> if you think any coach invented something, you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> you know, I guess someone had to, but it ain't anybody up here, but uh or it ain't me. But uh I use a lot of what Coach Sexton does in his games, you know, because he gives people some really good formations and some good motions and stuff that, you know, I, I sit there and go behind, like going behind him so I can see it. Uh, but he does a good job game planning there. He's got a lot of seniors this this year. He does. He's got a lot of seniors, and they play hard for him. Uh, you know, so – and McDowell. We talked a little bit about McDowell before we got on air. You know, I, I think McDowell uh, has some good-looking kids. They, they had tight end last year. That was good-looking to any kid in the conference. You know, they, they, they always have good-looking linebackers, good-looking tight ends, um, good-looking linemen, you know, so – uh, I think our conference is definitely definitely trending up. I think that's good for everybody. <laughs> you were talking about um, Inca and uh, a couple of things that I wanted to ask you about. I used to coach the Inca Youth League for many, many, many years, and uh, great talent out of that community uh, would come out of that program and go up, and then we would play Asheville, their youth league, every, every year. So uh, one thing I was curious about, do you work with the your youth league and your youth league team is is gets kids funnel up, or is it more of an autonomous thing and and they just get to the next stage and advance to the middle school and then the high school? Or what's that look like? Well, see, that's a kind of a tough question because when I got here, it was COVID, you know, and oh. youth league shut down. That's know? true. That's true. So, um, and, and kind of what took its place is, is you know we saw it with basketball, we've seen it with uh, baseball, and now we're seeing it with football. It's just kind of like the AAU travel league. For right. football, you know, that's right. Um, you know, but we, uh, uh, Bolanos, uh, Coach Bolanos has taken over down at the youth league. Uh, you know, we, we communicate a lot back and forth. I, I want those kids, uh, to want nothing more than to be an Asheville Cougar and, and play in Memorial Stadium on the Friday Night Lights. That's what I want them to dream about, you know. And so I've gone up there to Memorial to watch, you know, they're, they're doing a little seven on seven league right now, which I think is great. Uh, for the kids on Saturday mornings, they go out there and, you know, and, and work on. I mean, this game is a game that has to be played in space. Um, it is. It, it's a land war, you know. And so those kids at an early age learning how to play in space and use leverage and stuff like that, I think it's valuable. Uh, so I enjoy going out there, uh, watching them. I try to stay hidden for a lot of it, you know. But a few times I go up and talk to some parents, stuff like that, you know. And, uh, and I'm in charge of doing the uh, uh, sixth grade youth shrine bowl uh, this year, you know. And so. 
trying to look and see, you know, find a kid or two from up here that we that we can use for that to go against South Carolina with. Um, you know, but that's one thing that we're trying to get back to, you know, is building that youth league program up. And like I said, they're doing a great. We had their banquet here last year in the cafeteria. Uh, biggest thing we want them to do is be like, I want to be a national cooker, you know, and I want to stay a national cooker for life. Now, then back to that Inca point, too, that you were talking about with Coach Sexton. I've noticed, too, the same thing you did. I mean, it was almost like they, they've taken that program in a different direction than it had historically been going um, and, 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 and seeing some success. And it's kind of interesting to see how that play out. I don't know much about Coach, Coach Sexton. I'm fairly new to the area and stuff. But when he took over that job, he's fairly known around these parts as a good coach, right? He's very well known. I mean – he he was the guy that hired me at Irwin. And when I was at rock bottom at Chase after two or three games where I was like, oh, man, I, I you know, I will never be allowed to be a head coach again. You know, he was the one I called, <laughs> and I got him on my huddle, and I said, I need help. <laughs> help me. Uh, and he did. You know, he dropped everything he was doing at the time and, you know, would watch some of our film and, and, and help me with some stuff that I, I wasn't seeing at the time. So uh, you talked about some of your players. Who are some of your standout players you got coming back this year? So, I mean, we can look on the defense side of the ball first, you know, because Asheville High, what we're going to do is we're going to look on the defense side of the ball. Uh, you got Noah Shaw, uh, who's who's a four-year, going to be a four-year starter for us. You know, he, uh, I could tell when we do our little eighth-grade signing day, and I try to get with the eighth-graders in middle school as much as I can. We bring them up and we lift them on Saturday mornings in the off season. And is it for lifting? Sure, but it's more for relationship building. It's more for – uh, me getting to know them, them getting to know me, you know. Um, and so uh, Noah from an early age, you, know, you can tell he's a little different. Um, and, you know, he actually just got back from his official visit from Rutgers, which I thought was a great opportunity. He went to New York City for the first time. And I was like, man, that's, that's, I mean, that whole thing's neat. You know, he, he's going down to the, the visit Clemson on Thursday and then going on his Duke official visit on Friday. So he's got lots of good opportunities. He's a very, very good athlete. And he, he trusted us. Um, his dad trusts us, Randy. You know, Randy played uh, at Western Carolina uh, under Brent Pry, who's now at Virginia Tech. Uh, and Randy's a football guy, and he gets it. He's a great – he's the perfect football parent because he's not calling me saying, why is my kid not getting offered by Alabama, you know, or anything like that. And he, he's sitting there, and and, he, and when I told him, I was like, we're going – after his freshman year, Noah was playing wide receiver in DB. Uh, and then we figured that the best thing for us to do at Asheville was to platoon, have offense and defense. Um, you know, it's – that's what allows us to practice in 90 minutes, honestly. And so what allows us to get a lot better, a lot faster, in my belief, you know. Um, but, you know, we moved Noah from wide receiver DB to outside linebacker. Uh, he, he had never played linebacker really before. You know, and this past year he played outside linebacker, safety, nickel, and inside linebacker. Uh, and what it's shown a lot of college coaches is, man, I'm getting an athlete that can do anything. You know, I'm getting an athlete that's – a safety build right now at 197 pounds, but could easily add 30 pounds to his frame and be a wheelbacker. He can be a nickel and carry number three down the pipe. And yeah, is he, he's a great player with a lot of versatility. You know, we got uh, our linebackers are back with Zyreek Smith, um, Ben Bevins, and Javay Smith. Um, and then we got uh, uh, Eddie Pretrick, who's a returner for us on the defensive line. And then we got a kid that moved in from Washington all the way across the nation. Uh, and, you know, you get calls from the main office sometimes, like, hey, there's a kid that just enrolled here. You know, you may want to see him. I'm like, okay. 
And a lot of times you go up there and you're like, all right, thank you. You know, but you walk in there and you sit there the whole time as you see him through the glass. You're like, please be the kid that's transferring in. Please be the kid that's transferring in. <laughs> you know, and, you know, and not the kid's dad, not the kid's dad. You know, and uh, and he, uh, he he definitely passes the look test when he walks in. And, you know, he's in a completely different system. But it's not easy to go across the nation. Uh, but I think uh, one thing he's done is he's gotten in, you know, with a really good group. You know, he's been in our you know, football weight training class and, uh, he, he's one that I think, uh, you know, App State already offered him. Uh, he may be the first kid and only kid, uh, you know, that ever gets offered by Montana uh, from Asheville. <laughs> Montana called me today, like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to offer him, you know. So I'm like, man, I don't know if Asheville kids ever been offered by the University of Montana. And I told Brent, because uh, when I was at App State working as a student assistant, we went out there and played Montana in maybe uh, 09 or, or 2010, and it was the best college football environment I've ever been a part of. And I've been, you know, LSU, I've been to Florida, I've been to all the big ones. And I've never been a part of an environment like the one out of Montana where we're up in the box and it is shaking. It is literally shaking. Uh, and so I told them, man, that's, that's an awesome place to, to think about, you know, going and playing. So that's the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, you know, uh, we're young up front. You know, I got the, the twins back on the offensive line, Katzen and Prince and Johnny. Um, and then uh, we got uh, Kaheem Plummer and Nick Williams at running back. Uh, and that they're a true two-headed monster. You know, they are. Uh, both of them do things a little bit differently. It's kind of thunder-lightning type situation. Um, you know, you got Meek Slidell, who was forced into quarterback duties as a freshman. You know, and man, I say that, but he'd, he'd been our ball boy since seventh grade. You know, so he, he he knew what to do, he, and he handled it really, really well. Uh, Jeremiah Jones at receiver, tight end, gives us a ton of flexibility of what we can do. At the WNC uh, Football Coach Association combine we had the other day, he ran the fastest 40 out there uh, at a 4.56, and, and he's our tight end, you know, and I think wow. that gives a lot of flexibility of what it's the tight end that runs like a receiver. You know, he's 197, 200 pounds, and, you know, runs 4.56. So, so he gives a lot of flexibility. Then we got, you know, a big receiver in Trey Cotton, who's six foot four, uh, who, who kind of spot played early. Then we realized that out of six catches, he had four touchdowns last year. And, you know, we're like, hey, man, we should probably start throwing the ball to Trey a little bit more. <laughs> um, you know, so we got that. And then we got a lot of young kids that are stepping up. You know, Kareem Williams is a six four safety that a lot of schools are coming by being like, what is that kid? <laughs> you know, and, and he's a 2025. You know, he's. Uh, he's a kid that uh, that started turning a lot of heads. So we're we're young in a lot of places, but we do have some experience. So what's the uh, what's the hardest part of your job? What's the easiest part? You tell me that, and I'll figure it out. Uh, um, and honestly, I can make a list for you. Uh, I'd say I'd say the hardest part of my job is as I wake up with about twenty things that I know I need to get done today. And by about 10 o'clock, I have accomplished none of those because 10 more have popped up that seemingly are more important than the 20 that I had started out with. Um, the hardest part of my job is the time. Um, as you can probably tell talking to me, I ain't, I ain't the brightest bulb. I ain't, I ain't super smart. I don't claim to be. Uh, but one thing I was taught from an early age uh, is that everybody, everybody gets 24 hours. And that's, that's the great equalizer. And... My grandfather, my, my, my both my grandfather and my dad, they pressed upon me that they'll spend their 24 better than you'll spend your 24, you know. And so um, that's kind of what has stuck with me. 
Now, it comes at a price, you know, and it's tough with having a young family and stuff like that. You got to better have – I tell all my young coaches, and, you know, one of my – Coach Cardillo just, you know, proposed that he's going to get married. Uh, Coach Cheek got married, you know, a few months ago. If you find a, a lady who was, who was dumb enough to marry a coach, you better, <laughs> you better pull the trigger on it. Uh, so – um, that, that's a big part, but that, that's also that's definitely the hardest part of the job. So, so what does the Reynolds Asheville game look like this year? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? You, you know what they got over I there. I know what they got, and they're good. Uh, I know what they got, and they're good. But when you get to a rivalry game, it doesn't matter. Uh, Do you think it's too early to guarantee another conference championship? No, I think it's way too early to guarantee anything. <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, but Lewis has tried to get the coach in trouble. Really. That's right. That's, that's right. fine. That's what it's for, right? You got to try to prod a little bit and see, <laughs> see if somebody can say something they probably shouldn't. That'd be used bulletin board material. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's, it's any rivalry game where, you know, it's, it doesn't matter because the game, the feel of the game is so different. It's so hard for me to explain to people that don't know what the week of practice is like. Um, at least our first two years here. Now, this past year, I warned them after Monday, and I was like, guys, they're good. If we practice like this again, we're going to get our heads beat in. I warned them about it on Tuesday. Warned them about it on Wednesday. I just, it, it didn't have the same feel that it had the first two years. It really didn't, you know, and which, you know, transpired into the game, honestly. You know, and honestly, at halftime in the game and even at the end of the game, you know, we had some great seniors and even some underclassmen step up and say, eh, this is our fault. I mean, we – we knew this coach warned us about this all week. All of our coaches, we talked about it. You know, they all warned us that this was going to happen, and we didn't believe them, and it happened, you know, which at the end of the day I think was vital for our program. Um, I don't think we were – I think we were in a kind of a downward spiral there for a little bit. I do. Um, you know, one thing that we don't ever want to do is let winning be the most important thing. You know, winning is not the product that we're after, and I know that sounds crazy. I know it sounds like coach speak and all that stuff, and I get that. Uh, you know, but everything we do is winning is the byproduct of doing things right. And can you win and not do things right? Sure, you can. You know, can you sustain it? No way. You know, and I think we had gotten to a situation where we were not doing things right but still winning, so we thought we could not do things right. Um, you know, and I think that, you know, the Reynolds game last year helped bring us back to center point. It really did. I think it was big for our program. You don't ever like losing like that, you know, but – uh, was it important for our program? It was, which I know no fans want to hear. Uh, but as a coach, I think it was big for us. I think it was important for us. I think it was important for our kids because at the end of the day, it's high school football. It's great. I love it. I dedicate, you know, my, my career to it. You know, I put my career in the hands of 15 to 18-year-olds. I don't know whether that's smart or dumb, I don't know, but I, I enjoy doing it. Um, but the whole point of the reason I do it is to see who they end up being at 25, who they end up being at 30. You know, and this, you know, doing things right, you know, that that carries on after high school. You know, you're doing things right. If you do things right, things will work out. You know, you don't do things right, do things still work out? Sure. Is it sustainable? No. You know, and so and some of those seniors and even some of our underclassmen, if they got that life lesson out of that game, then game well spent. So on your schedule, I noticed you have Providence Day scheduled this year, a private school out of Charlotte. Would you consider playing a private school in Asheville, or is it off limits because they're in Buncombe County? I don't know. That's a good question. You know, is is it something that we've talked about? Sure. You know. Now we will. We will mention. I know you. Khalil Conley went to Christ School. I know that that probably that that stings. I'm sure. I, I mean, it does. 
strictly for the point of I don't get to be around the kid. Uh, I really like Khalil. Uh, Khalil's a great kid. And honestly, Khalil, Khalil uh, you know, he probably showed up over here once a week, you know, in the offseason stuff. And, you know, he's still got good relationships with all because coaches, all the kids, you know, he comes to basketball games and stuff. You know, um, uh, it's it's unfortunate um, that, you know, some college coaches couldn't watch what he was doing at quarterback and say, man, that kid's a really good athlete. I bet that kid could be a really good corner, you know. Um and honestly, uh, it was kind of a tough timing situation because college coach, when he was in his junior year, uh, college coaches were asking me, is he a 23 or 24? I, was like, well, I think he's a 23, you know. I'm like, well, I'm hearing he's a 24. And so that kind of um, muddied the water a little bit for his recruitment. Now, at the same time, you know, I still think he had two great opportunities while he was here. Um, William Mary is a great offer. Uh and I told him, you know, Army, West Point, um, and, and this is just my personal opinion, you know, if my son ends up, and I got a boy, he's four, Charlie, he can't run out of a shadow, so he'll be a great pulling guard. <laughs> uh, you know, I ain't going to be one of those coaches that makes him play quarterback. He'll be a heck of a guard. I can't wait for it. Uh, but, uh, you know, if, if Alabama offers him and Army, West Point offers him, you know, he's going to West Point uh, because – your life's different. You know, you graduate from West Point, your life's different. You know, can you still play football? Sure. But football's going in for everybody at some point. You know, football's a vehicle. You get us from one place to the next. You know, it doesn't have to be the college. And that's one thing I think we kind of get lost on a little bit right now. Uh, you know, it's kind of amplified by social media and everything else is that uh, kids want more than anything. This has not changed, but kids want attention. You know, now where they get it from, uh, that's changed. You know, but kids want attention. You know, Attention now is in the form of, you know, likes and retweets, you know, and, and you know, I'm going on this official visit or I just got this offer, blessed to receive my 95th Division One offer, you know. Um, <laughs> at the end of the day, you're only going to pick one. You know, one of the one of the best kids I ever had, best players I ever had, his name's Tariq Cohen. It was uh, my first job out of college at Bunn High School. He was about five foot five, if that. He didn't come to anything over the summer. Uh you know, he, he was in a real bad home situation. You know, you know, mom was, you know, doing her best to try to support a bunch of kids. You know, and, and Tariq was an unbelievable kid. And he still is, you know. Um, and we didn't, we played him at like linebacker. And he was five foot five, 150 pounds. We played him as a little bit of safety. He didn't play him at running back at all. And I think week four, he catches a pick and takes it back to the house. And as he's taking it back, I'm 22 years old. I don't know anything. I'm up in the box and I'm like, hey. Tariq's pretty good, guys. We should probably give him the ball, you know. And he gets one offer, you know, out of out of high school to A and T, you know, and then he gets drafted by the Bears, you know. And but a lot of people don't understand is he he is the exception to the rule, you know. He is that does not mean every five foot five kid, you know, is, is going to go play college football, you know. But he 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 was one that that stayed where his feet were, you know. He he loved playing high school football, and the opportunity came and he ran with it. You. you. You really hit on something that I've noticed with this whole uh, mentality of trying to get to this next level of football. And, I, you know, I'm a little older than you, but in the days... A lot older. A lot older. You know, we made a VHS tape and sent it off to a few <laughs> schools. And, you know, if you got picked up at all by anybody for any reason to play at any level, it was um, amazing. It was an awesome thing. And that's changed. You're right about that. And... um 
we went over the percentages of the people that would actually make it to the pro level, or even just the Division One high school football level, is so fractional that if you can have to your point, it's it's a vehicle is is what it is. If you can go play college football, if that's your aspiration, and get any experience or any value, whether it's in the form of a partial or a full scholarship at any level, that's fantastic. That's absolutely amazing. It should be celebrated. Well, it should be. And one thing that you ask yourself at the start is, do you love football? Do you love playing football? You know, and if you do, it's not golf, you know. You can play golf until you're 80, 85, 90, 90-year-olds out there playing golf. You know, it's and you have a very short time span to play this game that you love, you know. So we tell our kids all the time, the the best players in the world, like the, the ones that if they walk through that door right now, they look like they're building a lap. You know, the best players in the world are done at 25. You know, there's a few, you know, but if you stay four, three, four years in the league, man, you're one of the best to ever do it, you know, and they're done at 25. And then what, man? Yes, your life's just starting, you know. What are you going to do now? You know, and so uh, that's one thing we try to talk to our kids about, you know, uh, religiously and, and nonstop here is, you know, we use football. We don't let football use us, you know. And, and, you know, if you love it, do it, you know. But I also don't want kids to get in a situation where, they want to be able to put out that they are going to go play college football so bad that they're willing to go $60,000 in debt to a D3 school um, who's just taking, you know, a kid to take a kid, you know, versus let's not do that. Let's enter the workforce. You know, we had the fire department come talk to our kids about entering fire school. Fire school is a great deal. Uh, They work 10 days. That's 24-hour shifts. We work 10 days out of the month, you know, and their starting salary is like $46,000. You know, you start that at 18 versus going $60,000 in debt year one in college where you may stay a year, you may stay two, you may stay three, you may stay all four, you know, but, you know, percentages say you're going to stay one or two and then you're going to be done because you're going to realize that football is not a place for, you know, a five foot seven, you know, defensive end, you know, it's tough, you know, so uh, we, we try to guide our kids as best we can. And, and you know, I mean, we were able to have nine in this last class signed. Uh, to go play college football, which I think is huge. And I think that's a huge part of my job is to give them opportunities. It's not to help, you know, it's not to create a, you know, college football player per se, but it's to create opportunities, you know. And if a kid wants to go play college football and we can make it make fiscal sense, then we're going to make it happen. You know, and of those kids, because you'll see kids, and where it gets skewed a lot is there's kids that, you know, not like schools off the mountain, like down in Charlotte and stuff, and they'll, they'll say, you know, I'm you know, committing to Furman. You know, and then you'll talk to the coach, but hey, that kid's going to firm. He's like, yeah, you know, he's he is. He's, he's got to walk on spot, you know, but he's about to go in sixty, seventy thousand dollars worth of debt. Um, you know, and our kids, and our nine kids that are signing, you know, we were able, you know, those kids and their families, uh, coaches, counselors, everybody working together, able to get you know over a quarter of a million dollars in scholarship money for nine kids. That's wow, what, that's what it's about. That's awesome. That that's impressive. I mean, and that's that's what we're trying to do. You know, create generational wealth for these kids. You know, and um, and that, that's where I see it. But that's the byproduct. You know, that's not necessarily what we're after. We're after doing things right. Doing things right in the classroom, doing things right in the weight room, doing things right in the practice field. You do all those things right, then, then you get the other stuff. You know, but I think it gets skewed a little bit right now because people are chasing that. And when they chase that, they take shortcuts and everything else that they're doing. You know, and which is why a lot of kids end up sad, which is why a lot of kids end up, you know, upset at the end of the recruiting process because they they, they didn't keep the main thing the main thing. So you mentioned the social media aspect of this. And and one thing I'm learning about through my kids and, and 
it wasn't around when any of us were in school is the social media aspect. And, and a lot of these kids, they connect with other teams. And I've I seen it a lot in wrestling this year uh, where these guys will, will jaw back and forth. And then by the time we get to that match, it's like lights out, somebody's going to get hurt here. You know what I'm saying? Uh, something that didn't exist when when we were there at all. Computers didn't even exist when Pat was in school. <laughs> Correct. Hey, yeah. we have the Apple IIe. I mean, we, we had to meet like at Ingalls parking lot or something and talk about <laughs> how we're going to beat your butt this next week when coming up in the game. How do you handle that social media aspect where a game doesn't get bigger than what it is? Well, one thing we tell our kids at the beginning when they start school here, you know, is if you have any aspirations of playing college football, then your social media, you know, is your resume. And that's how you need to treat it because that's where college coaches are going to contact you. That's where they're going to look. That's where they find out who you are. You know, if you're out there, you know, doing some foolish things like that, then that's not going to bode well for your future. You know, this is a professional thing that you're running right here. Your Twitter is is you sending out job resumes. That, that's what it is. And that's how you got to treat it. Um, yeah, and honestly, have we had stuff like that happen? I'm sure. I may be numb to it or, or haven't seen it. No, they haven't brought it to my attention. I'm sure it's happened. I'd be foolish to think that it hasn't. But, um you know, the biggest thing is uh, not not putting yourself in a bad situation that you can't get out of with that stuff, you know, and, and not taking away opportunities because you made an impulsive decision. Because one thing um, that I think a lot of coaches, you know, may believe about their teams, one thing I believed about uh, my team, you know, here, when I got here at Astros, I thought there was a, there was a lot of immaturity, um, and, and I was wrong. It's not immaturity, it's impulsive. Uh, they're not immature. A lot of these kids have been raising themselves and their brothers and sisters since they were five years old. They ain't immature. All right, but they're impulsive. They do what they feel in the moment, you know. Uh, but impulsive behaviors, you know, can put you in a lot of bad situations. Uh, you know, so that's one thing we talk about a lot here. Uh, and that impulsive behavior, and, you're, and everyone's a hero behind a keyboard, you know. But <laughs> that impulsive behavior, you know, is to say something right now. Uh, but that's why, you know, we press upon the critical thinking skills and stuff like that as far as, you know, is this going to matter in 10 minutes? Is it going to matter in an hour? Is it going to matter in a year? In which way is it going to matter? Is it going to keep you from getting an opportunity to go do something that you love to do and get paid to do it? You know, because if you get a college scholarship, you're getting paid. You know, so um, biggest thing that we're trying to do here, it's not a maturity. You know, and that's one thing that I've learned in the past year uh, that, I, that I would have stood and preached on that. We have lack of maturity. That's wrong. You know, these kids do things that I would never ask to do as a kid growing up. You know, but uh, we do have a lot of kids that have a lot of impulsive behaviors. Uh, and is trying to control those impulsive behaviors. You got to control them on the field the same way, you know. And, uh, I mean, it's a violent game for violent men. But there's rules, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and my mom, she she never understands the uh, the unsportsmanlike conduct type stuff. She's like, it's just a fight, anyways. What does it matter if they punch somebody up <laughs> the play? But uh, I like your mom's thinking. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's, that's how she is. But uh, but you know that that's one thing that I've learned, you know, in the last year, and one thing that I think that we've tried to uh, kind of veer and how we're teaching our kids you know and it's more about how do you how do you control your impulsive actions and i think stuff like you talked about with the social media stuff it falls right in line with that so how important is social media when it comes to recruiting and doing those sorts of things uh, is it important sure is it is it do we probably put more value on it than how much it really is important you know what's really important is if you're six four, two hundred sixty mm-hmm. pounds I mean, honestly, that's what's really important. It's the measurables. Yes, it is. I mean, I can bring, you know, a college coach me in here, and I can bring a kid that's in science class that it does not play football at all. And if he is 6'8", 320, they're going to want the kid's information. I mean, that just is what it is. You know, they won't. But 
and, and I get frustrated with it sometimes because I know some really, really good five foot eight ball players that are really, really good football players. But it's no different, you know, than what we do as coaches when we walk around the halls. You know, I don't always ask the the five foot tall kid, you know, if he wants to play football, but I ask every six foot three kid if he wants to come out and play. You know, so are we any different in doing it? No, you know. So, um, is social media important? Sure. You know, and do we use it here at Asheville? Yeah, we do. You, you know? guys are pretty pretty. Uh, you use it a lot, it seems. We do. You know, and we. I never want a kid to miss out on an opportunity because I didn't do my job. You know, so so we uh, we uh, Coach Cardillo, who's our recruiting coordinator. Um, you know, he, he makes a very comprehensive recruiting catalog um, that gives college coaches everything they could ever want or need about a kid. You know, it has all their information, um, and we send it out electronically to over you know, 250 schools. Um, and then every coach that comes by, you know, a lot of my coach already got digital copy in it, but we always hand, you know, the, the paper copy, and it helps them when they go watch the kids lift in the weight room. All right, who's that kid? Oh, there he is, you know, and then it has their GPA, has their unweighted, has their core. Um, yeah, that's one thing I don't think kids understand as much either is how you know, we tell them all the time, but it just doesn't seem to stick how important the GPA is, you know, and it's not, it's your core. You know, if you're thinking about playing college sports, you know, if that's what you're thinking about, and if you're trying to go to Yale to be a student, do you need to take AP classes? Yes, you do. You know, um, if you're trying to go play, you know, division one college football and you make a D in an AP class, that, that hurts you bad. You know, it'd be better to make an A in a, in a standard class than make a D in an AP class. And that's what a lot of kids don't understand, you know, is that that core is unweighted. Um, you know, and so um, I think with the recruiting catalog and everything it has in it, you know, and we press it out, you know, and we thank coaches for coming by and we try to keep good relations with them. And we take our kids to different places over uh, over the summer. You know, we're going to Chapel Hill. We're actually uh, we're going to go up uh, next Tuesday when we get out of school. Uh, we're going to take about 20 of them up there. Uh, we're going to go to a Durham Bulls game on Tuesday night. Because last year we went up there and we left the school at 4 a.m., uh, which was hard on everybody. But I was, it was the hardest on me because everyone was asleep on the bus for the first three hours while I was just trucking along. Yeah. So you're the bus driver as well? Uh, I, 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 I do some of the bus driving duties. The coaches help me out, you know. But for that one, I drove it, you know. Uh, but we're going to go up the night before. We'll go watch the Durham Bulls game, stay in a hotel, give them some life experience, you know. Go do things they may not get a chance to do otherwise. And, and uh, go over to Chapel Hill Wednesday morning, have some good competition. I've already had three different coaches, uh, colleges besides Carolina, uh, reach out, you know, and say, we're going to be there. Can we get a list of your prospects that will be there? You know, and so – I think that's critical as far as, you know, trying to get our kids some exposure. And then later on in the summer, we're going to Gardner-Webb for a three-day team camp, and then uh, uh, we're going to Winston-Salem State. You know, and that's one thing that uh, the HBCUs don't really understand about uh, Asheville High School uh, is that we're, you know, on the football team, we're 90% minority. You know, and, and they kind of, you know, group mountains as mountains, you know. Uh, and, you know, we've tried to really press – uh, forward with HBCUs and build good relationships with them, you know, and try to help our kids get different opportunities. You mentioned the mountains and something else I was going to ask you. You, you also brought up earlier the WNC Combine. That, that's where I saw you out there the other day. That's the first time I've ever been a part of that. But that that was a highly talented group of kids. And your list of players that you said that you got signed last year was impressive. Coach Walker, Christ School had some. Coach Laws was talking about his crew that got um, got offers last year too. Yet I keep hearing, you know, schools not necessarily wanting to recruit the Western North Carolina area from people in the community. 
and I'm fairly new to the area, but based on what the three of you have said in the podcasts, that doesn't seem to ring true. And then there was some great talent at that combine. There was, but that's why we did the combine, because I can tell you I've been on the mountain, I've been off the mountain. Uh, the one thing about being on the mountain uh, is that it's harder uh, for colleges to drive to different schools to see kids. Um, you know, we were talking a little bit before we got on air about, you know, Robbinsville, you know, and I, I'll never go to Robbinsville again. I don't care if they say there's a million dollars in Robbinsville and you can keep it. You know, I ain't going down there again. Uh, and Coach Walsh does an unbelievable job. Uh, and the Cutler Adams kid down there, you know, he, he's the kid I thought about because here's the deal. We get great foot traffic here at Asheville. We do, you know, and I was able to be down at Crestman and we had two kids on our defense that, you know, played at Clemson and Justin Foster and Landon Sanders, you know, and they had Dabo Sweeney sitting in the office right there talking to him. And that, and that was cool. You know, it was a great experience. And, um, you know, but the, the kids in kind of these outlying communities get that? No, they don't. You know, it's very, I, I was very excited about the kid from Andrews, the offensive lineman, uh, that, that's been able to pull, you know, some offers lately. Because you don't see it happen a lot for those kids. And I know they're good. You know, and that kid was able to show that combine because I was curious. I wanted to see him. The kid's real, real good. <laughs> the kid's really, really good. He's not just a big kid from Andrews that can block down on the run. The kid's athletic. The kid runs like a linebacker. You know, he's special. You can tell he's a little different. Um, but that, that's the whole reason why we did that combine uh, is to bring the best 24s in Western North Carolina and put them all in one field. And one thing I thought was very, very special to me was – uh, all of Western Carolina staff was out there, including their head coach. I thought that was great for what we're trying to do, which is uh, show everybody how good Western North Carolina football is. You know, in, in Charlotte, you can go hit 12 schools in an hour. You can. You know, in Western North Carolina, because coaches come by all the time and be like, all right, I'm about to drive down to Smoky Mountain, you know. And I was like, and he's like, well, then I'm going to come back here. I'm like, well, don't do that. You know, if you go on Murphy, I mean, that's a trip. No, you're making a trip there. You know, don't, don't sit there and say, I'm going to go down to Smoky Mountain. And then pop back up, you know, and go over to Reynolds. You need to go to Reynolds now and then finish down at Smoky Mountain. You know, it's, um, and it's just everything's so spread out. Mitchell, you know, they, they played for a state championship two years ago, and you talked to Coach Pittman, and they're good. They're good, good. And, and he said, you know, they've had two college coaches come through there in two years. And, and that's not fair to those kids, you know. Uh, so that's one reason why we did the West North Carolina Combine, was to take all those kids, put them on one field, and make it easy for college coaches. And we, were, we had nine different colleges there, you know, to watch kids. Um, and evaluate them, you know, and I, I thought that was a very special event uh, and it's something I hope we can continue on in the future. So what's next for you, Coach Radford? What's next for Asheville High? What's going on? Every every group's different, you know, so it's, I mean, are you trying to build upon itself? Yeah. I mean, are you trying to we'll talk about getting over the hump? You know, are you trying to get over the hump? Yeah, we are. Um, you know, but every group is so different so unique you know that it's really you you look back at the grand scheme at the very end of it you know the, at this point we're, we're focused on this group of kids that we have right now and right now we, we have a lot of youth we do we have a lot of young kids that are going to have to play a lot of important positions um you know i had my strength guy in here earlier and we're, and we're programming the summer as far as what we want to do how we want to do it going through rep schemes percentages all that stuff you know um you know so what's next for us here you know is taking the next step you know but every year it is that team's you know goal you know strive to be the best version of themselves whatever that may be and i think some people look at that in different ways you know there's some 12 win teams that probably didn't accomplish what they should have accomplished and there's some four win teams 
that probably should have been one win teams that over that over you know overplayed over accomplished you know and so our goal every year is to be one of those teams that that gets more out than than what people think we should get out you know play play over our head a little bit um yeah and that comes with a lot of time and a lot of work and we run this like a college program. That's our goal. You know, I learned a lot when I started my career at Appalachian State. Um, and I worked under Sean Elliott, you know, who's head coach at Georgia State now. And he, he gave me a tutoring now, and it was, it was not easy. You know, and I, I can take a cussing in a heartbeat. I've learned that. <laughs> uh, but he, he's, he was pivotal, vital for my success. Lance Taylor came in right behind him. I moved from O-line to wide receivers. And he's now, you know, the, he was the running backs coach up at uh, – he was the wide receiver coach for the Carolina Panthers, running backs coach at Notre Dame, and now he's the OC, or now he's the head coach at Western Michigan. You know, so I was able to learn some great guys, and so we try to model everything we do off the college program. So we we watch a ton of film. You know, we have chalk sessions. Um, you know, we um, we lift. You know, we we they, their days are long. <laughs> They're long. They, we before we start school, I bring them in at two forty-five. Uh, offense, lift, defense, watch film for forty minutes. You know. Then we switch, and then then we practice. We don't just bring them in at three, and then roll and practice till three thirty, and go, you know. And then after practice, we have the film. You know, we break it down on huddle. We send it out. We send out notes, and, and you know, and, and so the kids know it's important. They know it's valued. Um, they know what's expected of them. And then hopefully, colleges know when they get a kid from Asheville that he's ready to roll. Pat has a question that he forgot to ask at the beginning. Every every time I forget to ask this question, but it is tradition so far with everybody that we've had on to find out what was the pivotal and defining music album of your high school career. <laughs> Man, that's I don't know. Um, that's a great question. Uh, he took you way back. He did, and it kind of, but it kind of comes back full circle because it was it was the Snowman album by Jeezy. I mean, that's what it was. That's what we listened to in the weight room on on repeat on the CDs back in the day, you know. And so that's that's what it was. That's what it was for me. Pat, do, do either of you know who that is? I have no idea who that oh. is. No. <laughs> Pat, Pat's defining album was an actual record. It it was. It was Michael Jackson's Thriller. Uh, my parents listen to him to this. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, oh, that's so, awesome. I, I tell you what, I'll be honest with you. I'm really impressed with uh, what you got going on here. Absolutely. So, I, I appreciate it, guys. I do. We, yeah. we really do appreciate you coming on. Um, I do need to make mention, uh, as most of you know by now, T.C. Robertson and Wes Henderson both won the state championship. For in baseball. Yeah, in yeah. baseball. In baseball. Yeah. That was awesome. So if you guys remember back to episode three – Carson did say T.C. Robertson would win the state championship. I yeah. agree. Yep. He was correct. We got to thank uh, a few folks. We got to thank uh, the Bandettes for letting us use their uh, intro music. Man, such a great song. They got a new album coming out, Lewis. Have you? Yeah, it's you, this month coming are, out. Right? Are you ready? I'm ready for it. They have some good music. They do. Um, guys, if you want to contact us, email us, behindthebeardwnc at gmail.com. Get on our Facebook. Um Instagram, we're there. Check us out. Next episode, we're not sure exactly. We're we're still trying to line up Coach Gibson from Owen. Hopefully, that'll be our next uh, podcast. Pat, what you got? Well, I, when I was out at the WNC Combine, I did introduce myself to the to the coach of of TC Robertson, and he seemed uh, 
potentially agreeable to do it too. So we'll see if we can follow up with him and did, maybe did get he with listen him. to the podcast? I don't know that he's even heard of us, gentlemen. <laughs> I don't think we, <laughs> we don't have that kind of street cred yet. Yeah. We're getting there. Yeah. Lewis, anything? Uh, I'm just I'm so looking forward to summer workouts starting, football getting going. Uh, I'm ready. Amen. Just one more week of school and we're there. Well, y'all are still in school? Yeah. Okay. Coach Radford, anything we didn't ask you you'd like to talk about? I don't know. I think I think we pretty much hit hit everything. Uh, unless you guys got anything, any other questions? I, I mean, I, I appreciate you guys taking the time and sitting in the office. It's actually a lot of fun. Yeah, we appreciate you being on as well. Yeah, it was great. Thanks for coming on. We're very grateful, and thanks for listening to another iteration of uh, Behind the Beard WNC. Until next time, watch for the f- social media pages that we have up for the next. Uh, next episode and who that might be or if it's just the three of us getting on and bantering so thanks again to coach and lewis and mike anderson we'll catch you next time thanks thank you